Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Rocket MSP podcast. I'm Steve Taylor, your host. Today, I'm joined by Colin Knox from Gradient MSP. Colin, how's it going, okay. sir? It's going awesome, man. How are you? I'm doing great, man. So Excellent. before I dive in and start asking you a bazillion questions about <laughs> Gradient MSP, yeah. can can we talk about you for a minute? Because sure. you're you're not just some, for lack of a better term, nobody who's who just decided to start building some product nobody's ever heard of you did something else that was kind of important can you can you fill us in on that yeah so i've i've been in the managed services space for almost 20 years now so i worked Mm -hmm. for a few msps i started up my own msp back in 2009 the tail end of the wonderful recession we all faced back then was fortunate. I grew that business over five years to four million in revenue. And as we were building that business, kind of had a significant pain point internally that led us to found and build a company called Passportal, where after selling the MSP off, really focused in on uh, that business and and brought to market the first uh, privileged credential management solution for MSPs and IT service providers and had a lot of fun building that. Got to meet a whole ton of amazing people and built that up to about 2,500 partners around the world that were using that and reselling password management as a service to their clients and exited that by way of an acquisition to SolarWinds MSP, who's now Enable in 2019. Man, that's that's a really cool path that you've taken. So started with an MSP, decided to build an awesome password platform that like a lot of MSPs use, got acquired by, you know, a, a behemoth in the MSP game, right? And you were you were not still there when they decided they were going to spin off SolarWinds MSP to its own branch or how, how yeah, is, so, is that its own company now? I never yeah, really know it's, how it's it works. it's completely separate. So when I came into SolarWinds with Passportal, we worked on integrating the business and integrating mm-hmm. the tools and everything else. And then I stepped into a role where I headed up the community for SolarWinds and their, you know, 20, 25,000 partners that they had at the time globally. So stood up that organization or that function within the organization as the VP of community there. And kind of right around the time where the exploration project for the spin out to create Enable began, I was tired guy we had a lot of uh a lot of stuff on the go for 10 years between building and exiting two businesses doing a lot of stuff at at solar winds there and uh, i just i needed a break there's you know kids were young starting to get older wanted to spend some time with the kids so i I stepped out in september last year and it's been a lot of fun to watch them create the brand i always was i agreed that it was it was the right move to spin enable out as its own or the msb business unit as its own thing so it was awesome to watch watch that happen and see some really good friends sitting at the podium ringing the bell as they did that and stocks performing well so far and yeah it's fun to fun to watch that's great man 
Well, well, good for you with with that. I'm sure some really nosy people would love to know how like how much you sold it for and you know how many bazillions of dollars you have, but that's not relevant to what we're about to talk about, okay? Yeah. So, so I won't make you answer those questions. So, so talk to me. You you're here to talk about gradient MSP. Yeah. Um and and I got to say like your website is gorgeous. Thanks. I'm I, you know, I do web design. So anytime I see a gorgeous website, I got to let people know, but it, it really starts to just talk about a lot of nonsense. I think you guys just probably made a whole bunch of stuff up and decided to put it up on a website. Yeah. Like none of this is true. The average MSP has $260,000 of dirty data. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, but I'm not giving my data a bath anytime soon. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. So yeah. what, what is this man? So we, we had this plan when we started up Gradient that how can we actually help MSPs grow, right? Mm -hmm. There's all these statistics in the industry that talk about, you know, how big the market is, $250 billion industry. But when you look at it, 90% of this industry of the 75,000 MSPs are under 10 employees. They're less than 10 employees. And you look at probably the most popular or or common revenue span is probably in that 500k to maybe a million and a half in revenue and there's an alleged 10,000 channel vendors mm -hmm. and technology companies that sell solutions to empower and help these businesses grow or operate better be more efficient or have something armed to sell their clients and, and everybody says that they, you know, we're going to help you grow. We're going to make you bigger and everything. So we looked at it and we're like, if this has been the same statistics and the same demographic for the last decade, you know, what could you actually do for an MSP that helps them grow truly their business, whether it's going from half a million to a million or a million to three million or forward on that way, or even just grow their profits. And so when we were trying to figure out how we could influence and impact this industry and make MSPs stronger and truly grow, we realized that businesses' growth and a business's success ultimately comes down to the decisions they make while they're running that business. It's not always about how much they're selling or how fast they can get clients. It's truly understanding that the intrinsic decisions they're making day in and day out in their business or the lack of decisions they're making because they just don't know and they don't have access to the data or the information that would help them make a good decision. So we had this grand plan to start building this thing that would allow people to, to help inform their decisions. And as we were digging into it, we realized that there was this kind of blocker in any tool we built that would need to connect to a PSA, the big source of truth for an MSP. And that was just riddled with bad data or old data or long lists or anything. So when you think about connecting up your any tool to your PSA and you're looking at mapping your accounts, you know, how many times is it like, oh, these, these aren't even clients. I don't even know who these people are, where they, this came from in my system. And so you're trying to apply all these filters in your integration so that you're only looking at, at, at accounts that are actually clients before you start mapping things and setting it up. So we figured, hey, we're going to build tools that, that integrate into the PSA to help an MSP. We might as well try to overcome that obstacle that's going to arise. And that came down to, like, how can we clean up the data? 
so that when we're connected, we're looking at good, clean, accurate data and, and our product can be effective for MSPs. I'd love to say it was this amazing vision from the beginning that like MSPs need data management and we need to clean up everything and have them working. But as we started working with our, our early access partners and partner advisory council, they were plugging it, plugging it in. And we essentially are just doing pulling in records and looking at it and trying to decide, is this ac record accurate? Is it relevant? You know, and that could be all the way down to, we found an account in your PSA. This account's never had a service ticket associated. It's never had an opportunity or a quote associated with it. You know, there's been no activity on it in a long period of time. Chances are it's irrelevant, but it may be misinforming your opportunity pipeline that you think you have available to you. Or it just may be flooding and, and blocking the view of something else when a, when a technician's trying to find the client that they're, that they're speaking to. So we built this data cleaning product and put it out there and we, we weren't sure what it was going to. And interestingly, yeah. So there's this rule of data science, which sounds super mystical and stuff, but it's called the 110-100 rule. And what this means is Every record that you have in any line of business application or business management tool you use starts with a cost of a dollar. So it kind of costs you a dollar to create that record, get that record, and, and continue to have the storage of that piece of data. And that's easy and that's simple. Where that starts to grow is, is I'll skip over 10 right now, but the, there's this $100 per record, per dirty record principle where... If you think about having a bad record in your database or in the system that's informing your reporting, this $100 comes into play where if you make a bad decision or a wrong decision because you looked at that record, if you spent time and effort or made an investment or took an action because a record was bad, that comes at a cost to you. So you think about redundant service tickets, right? All of a sudden, now I've got two or three technicians that are running after the same thing, and that's burdening me. You know, does whatever you're paying your staff, 30, 40, 50 bucks an hour times three to solve one easy issue, right? If you have it where you've made a decision. So, one of my things was in my MSP, we went to build uh, a new office out, and we made a six figure investment in bet on building that office space out. But that bet was predicated on us looking at this is our opportunity pipeline. This is how much business we think of that we're going to close. This is what our revenue will be, our receivables, everything else. And it was misinformed. Our close rates were misinformed that we based that guess on. Our opportunity pipeline was misinformed because there was companies in there that weren't even in business anymore, let alone give us a chance to sell to them. And so we were, while well, we were underwater, we almost crippled and, and cratered the entire company by that bet. Now, that's a big example of it. But it could be anything to where you're marketing, who you're going after, the the demographics. And there's all these things. We had, It was actually the very first MSP that connected themselves up to our, our data cleaning and the early access program. And we were one-on-one -on -one going through it. And you'll see when we get to a little demo portion, but we separated out by the record types that we're evaluating. And we went to contacts because contacts is always just the most dirty record type that we've got because of ebbs and flows in our clients, people that work for our clients, turnover, they come and go. And the most, the highest confidence record that we said, this is 
for sure dirty. You got to get rid of this record. You recognize the name because it's the person at their largest client who they send the invoices to. It's their invoice contact. And right away, he was like, well, why does it say it's dirty? Well, they haven't had this a ticket in two years. They haven't, you know, all these types of metrics or, or data points on it. And, and then he realized, no wonder that they've been one of our worst paying clients that we have to chase and chase and chase and escalate to get paid because we're automatically sending invoices to this person who hasn't even worked there in over a year. Right. So there's all these little things that now, what was the cost of his business of that one record, one person that's still listed as a contact at a client because he was getting paid at like net 90 terms at his biggest client because went out, they sent follow-ups to that person, other emails, you know, everything else went nowhere and it didn't go anywhere till they took it up the chain to the, you know, main point of contact for the client or the CEO of the client to then be like, oh yeah, hey, no, we'll get this, send me a copy of the invoice, we'll get it paid right away type of thing. So, But doesn't, doesn't that, doesn't that also show that that MSP wasn't doing a very good job at other things too? <laughs> sure, but, but if you think about it, running an MSP is busy work, it right? Is. Especially is. in the small shops, you're running around off your feet, still doing technical work, trying to consult to your clients, trying to do your QBRs, meet with people, maybe try to recruit, trying to put a name out there, having sales meetings, doing your billing, chasing invoicing, like all of these types of things that you're juggling balls all the time that are dropping and falling through the cracks. And, you know, as, as a small business operator, you're just doing whatever you can to keep your head above water. You know, there's the average MSP is probably only using 15 or 20% of what a PSA is capable of doing for them. That's not because they don't want to. That's because they have no time to sit and look at it and actually implement it until they reach a size where it's like, I'm hiring somebody and that's your full-time job is to manage that. So if we can show a little solution that helps clean up some of these things where you're not making mistakes by accident that way and things are going to the right place, things are being handled, you're able to read a report that is actually showing you the state of what your business is doing and what's happening in the business, then you can make a better decision for what's next. Okay. So couldn't we just argue that maybe they just need to work a little more than like. Yeah, but there's only 24 hours in a day, brother. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, so I'm working 18 of them. I mean, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, but I, I guess I would say like there are the ones that, that will put in the extra time and do it. And, and those are the ones like we've had some four or five person MSPs come in and they've had like a thousand bucks in dirty data, right? Like kind of 10 gotcha. records, okay, right? And some of them do it. But I would challenge and say most people in the space or watching your show aren't looking to work 18, 20 hours a day. In fact, they probably got in business that so they could have more available time for them. So they don't want to be doing these things after hours. They want to have a, a reasonable, manageable schedule, but be as effective in that schedule as possible. Okay. So, so then let's, let's talk about, let's talk about the different types of dirty data. Okay. So we've got contacts who no longer work for a company and that's why you're not getting paid because Susie isn't in accounting anymore. Yeah. But, but there's other data in a PSA. 
contracts, service types, ticket types, your own employees have data. So, so talk to me about the other types of data that, and, and, and like examples. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we'll start with accounts is easy. It's, you know, if you've got accounts, you could have vendors, you could have customers, you could have prospects, you could have whatever under accounts. And whether that's informing your opportunity pipeline, whether that's informing who you're chasing after to get business, whether that's trying to figure out who your actual clients are, where everything is. I mean, it, that's just one of these things that that you need to look at and stay on top of, but arguably probably has a lower impact on you. Contacts we've covered and and even just the sheer number of contacts. If you think about it, if you've got a bunch of dirty contacts that don't work at your clients anymore. Yet you look in your your PSA and you pull a report, how many contacts do we have? And now you're trying to decide, okay, I'm going to offer a new service. So let's say it's dark web monitoring. You're going to go and do your own projection and forecast of how much business you can make or how much revenue or profit you can have based off of your margin by selling to that number of contacts. Well, that was just completely misinformed. And maybe you got a high number and you're like, this is awesome. And now I'm going to invest all this money behind it to get all of those people on it. But 25% of them don't even work at your clients anymore. So now you've, you've got a big miss there. You know, you step into contracts, same thing. You spend a lot of time or somebody spends a lot of time balancing the books of what, what you think you should be making, what you're invoicing, and then what's actually coming in, you know, there's again back to the thing that as a as a small business operator and an MSP business owner, you're doing so many things. There's countless contracts that sit in your PSA that are expired, that are active but uninvoiced, that are inaccurate and just things not happening on them, or they're just not managed to a point of of what's actually included and what's not included. And so same thing. You could have expired contracts that you should be invoicing and now you're not invoicing them. Even though, you know, QuickBooks says you've got this coming in, your invoices show that you've got this much coming in, but you know that you should have way more because you count all your clients, you count all the contracts, but you're not invoicing them because they're not active contracts. So we look at that and that's leaving big money on the table at times. You have your service items, like you said, or ticket type type things. So that one might seem like big deal. We've got a ton of ticket types. Well, it can be a big deal because as you're growing and as you're taking on more tickets and you have more staff that are doing multiple and more tickets every day, how long do you want them scrolling, kicking and scrolling through a long list of ticket types to just be able to document the ticket and get working? And beyond that, if you're trying to have an idea as to where your technician's time is going on you know, just a technician basis or on a per client basis so that you can actually tell your client what's working and what's not working for them. If you've got multiple similar ticket types, all of a sudden now, because of what one wording or spelling means to one technician versus another, you might have something that's actually taking up 30% of your time, but now it's been split into a few, you know, maybe 5% four times. And that's not a big enough sliver or chunk on your donut chart to understand, holy smokes, we're spending a lot of time training employees at that client on how to use Microsoft Office. We should just hold the training class there. But you don't know that because it's too similar and it's disparate. So it, it obfuscates your report. You know, you mentioned your, your own employees. There's obviously some security implications and stuff, but 
Same thing when you're offboarding, how many MSPs under 10 employees have an actual offboarding procedure where they're checking off a checklist that says, I've disabled this account, I've disabled that account, I've done this, I've done this, whatever. Well, sometimes it's really easy because you got MFA and all you do is disable your token, right? Well, now all of a sudden you have three former employees who still have active seats and user accounts in your PSA. You're paying whatever you're paying, 55, 100 bucks a month for each of those. And in a small business, to be able to recoup 150 or 200 bucks a month or more is huge because you could put that in another tool that drives productivity that could go into some digital ads, whatever it is. So these are all the kind of some of those places where you can just have bad data that's driving bad decisions, keeping money out of your pocket or putting your business at risk. All right. So it's, it's starting to make sense. I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Now, we started to talk about that 110-100 rule. Yeah. Can you, can you just go over that one again? Yeah, sure. So the cost to have any record in your business over the life of your business and the life of that record is a dollar. And that's having a clean, good record. Mm-hmm. And that's just a natural thing. Then the $10 comes in where that's a cost to discover that a record is dirty and then take the actions to clean or correct that record. So you've come along, you've noticed something, maybe you didn't make a bad decision on it, but you just noticed that record because you were reading a report, looking at a list, and you're like, yeah, that's just not right. Okay, so now I have to take time to stop what I'm doing, hop on that, edit it, disable it, see what else it's related to. If that was a contact and it was a main point of contact, now I need to update the account in, in the PSA and, and kind of go on. But that's, you know, takes you 10 minutes or 10 bucks in time or effort or whatever else to distract. Essentially a distraction and a time cost, right? And then that $100 comes in as it's a dirty record. I think I I know this one. So the $100 is the record is dirty. I haven't cleaned it. And now this is how much money I'm throwing away on resources or or services or whatever else for something that's inaccurate is that absolutely time wasted time money or effort or some combination of the three okay so i'm gonna pick on him only because i i love him so much brian weiss yes uh ceo itech solutions he's right he is on your he's on your homepage, man you've got you've got a testimonial right here from him and he said having clean data in my psa is critical to avoid wasted time and money dealing with out of date or dirty records grading's mm-hmm. psa dating cleaning solution will ensure records stay clean and will lower my life cycle record cost of management from 100 dollars down to one dollar per record so yeah. he basically just took your 110 100 rule yeah. and butchered it for a testimonial is that it is but if you talk to brian and the next time you talk to brian he him in particular so there's a lot of msps or business owners that never heard of this 110 100 rule Mm. and when we first started talking about it he started researching it a lot more and digging in deeper and reading it and then looking at what his reports were out of gradient and he runs his entire business based off that rule now it's it's insane because it is so true. When you're trying to build and grow your business, every dollar counts. 
whether it's a dollar you're spending, a dollar you're making, a dollar you could have made, or a dollar that went to effort, right? So yeah, it's it's kind of pivotal to how he runs his company. It's his little ethos now, but yeah. Okay. So let's let's talk about <clears throat> what kind of mysterious magic wizardry you've got going on here is this do you have have like a magic wand is this like a harry potter movie where you magically clean our data how how does it work almost yeah so it's it's really it's it's not as intelligent as it sounds but essentially if you look at it this is all stuff you could do manually Mm -hmm. right so if you wanted to take the time and you wanted to clean this up and we've got a checklist you could download off our website of, of how to go about it yourself. But you can go in, you can do a search and show your entire list of every one of these different record types. And you can click into each of them. And then you can look at recent activity and different attachments and everything else and take the time to look at, review and discern each record individually if it's good or bad. Make a decision on that and then either move forward because it's good and it's clean or then I need to clean this now. So it's either edit it, update it, disable it, whatever it's going to be. And then on to the next record. What we've done is expedited that whole process, right? Thanks to the wonderful world of computing and algorithms and microprocessing, we're able to ingest all this data and in a matter of seconds and minutes in cases for large data sets, be able to look at and understand all the relationships, all the recent activity, everything else, and identify for you in a high, medium, and low confidence rating what records seem to be less relevant for your business and and with what's been happening over the past few years in your company. We can then present that to you with the reasons and our confidence rating. And then if you look at it and it's an anomaly, which is, yeah, you know what, I haven't done anything with them, but this is a great reminder. I should actually follow up with them or I should do something about this. Awesome. And you can choose to ignore it and Gradient's not going to look at that and recommend it to you anymore. Or you can click clean and then, yeah, we're going to go off and we'll, you know, adjust the record in the PSA, mark it as inactive, or make sure it's not misinforming any of the reports or exports or reviews that you're doing and, and get rid of it for you. Not deleting anything. And we log everything that happens. So if you go and you're like, oh, shoot, that was wrong, you can undo anything you you do. But we're essentially fast tracking you to identify exactly what seems to be irrelevant or old or dirty, and then giving you a one-click thing to be able to clean it up. All right. Yeah. So I I feel like there's not much more we could say about how it works other than we should see how it works. So yeah. if you want to down on the bottom, there's a little share button and you can exactly. share a share a window. If it only if it doesn't open any pop-ups or anything, you can just share that one window. So sure. while you do that, I'm gonna rapid fire off some I'll call them harder questions. With with you having <laughs> access to our PSA, that, that starts to get a little scary because security. Yep. So how do I say this nicely? Was your development team smart enough to figure out which permissions we actually have to give you on the API? Or do you tell us we have to check off all the boxes? Um, so right now, the way that it works is is we have you check off all the boxes. And now I'll, I'll 
I'll preface that to say it's not what we wanted, but the way that most APIs for the PSAs are structured and the fact that we're essentially modifying records across all of the modules where we require that read and write access to every one of those modules, whether it's, you know, disabling PSA users that are stale and, 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 and dormant, whether that's on your accounts, your contracts, right? So we need into the contracts module, we need into the services module, the ticketing module. So it is unfortunate. And we've talked to a few of the PSA companies to say, hey, can you actually have a tone step down for us to be able to use these API routes? But that's not the case right now for this solution. Anyways, we do have other modules and products coming out from Gradient, which we're able to strip it down to where it's at now. What I will say about that is, yeah, there's a there's a security concern and and whatnot. We're we're very open about what we're doing, about what we're collecting, about what we will do with any of that data. And then we've taken the steps that full security by design and and build architecture. So coming out of a cybersecurity company and tech company before, we've implemented a lot of the same protocols, policies, and technologies to make sure that in our system, all that data is encrypted in transit and at rest. We're SOC 2 type 1 certified right now. We're at the tail end of our type 2 audit period. So We've got that third-party auditing validation across security and privacy in particular for making sure that we've put and we have in effective operation the right security protocols and policies and procedures to protect that data. And I, and I get that, and that's cool. I think the the part that worries me is that, you know, you great guy, great company, did security stuff in the past. I see your SOC 2 compliant, yeah. certified, one of the two. Yeah. So like, obviously I know you guys are, are security focused. Okay. Yeah. But stuff happens. Okay. So there's an API key for yeah. our information in your system. Yeah. Is that API key encrypted, hashed, whatever? Yeah, okay. yeah completely. Okay. Yeah, and so that's it. Every every bit of data we have is is encrypted at rest and in transit at all times. Um, and what access do you, your team, your developers, your mom, whoever, I don't care, have to my raw data? Yeah, so when it comes to the raw data, so there's there's a few bits to to how we're doing things and and some of our end goal to help MSPs make better decisions. So when it comes to the raw data, I mean, our DevOps team is the only people that have access to that. And that's all under lock and key with limited access rights based on the role, multi-factor authentication, rotated credentials, mm-hmm. certificates, VP, like everything. So at this point in time, you're talking like two people that have direct access to that who have gone through their own background checks and everything else and, and follow the rest of the protocols around security and privacy and data protection. That's it. Could I ask somebody to get access? Yeah, I can't. And honestly, I don't even have the tools to get in there and look at that stuff. Okay. Yeah. So, so when it's, when it comes to that raw access, yeah, we're, we also only collect the information that we need to do what we do. We're not pulling in like on ticketing, we're not pulling in bodies of what's written in a ticket. We're not pulling in time entries, anything like that. We're essentially pulling in kind of what was the ticket type? What client was it for? What tech was was assigned to it? What contact is assigned to it? Maybe the device 
or configuration that was attached to it and other meta bits of information around it. None of the other details. Okay. And if I've got clients that are, you know, HIPAA compliant, technically you, I mean, technically you don't really have access to any patient records. Yeah. So we, we, we don't have any access to any EFI and even very limited PII within your own business as an MSP. Yeah. So with our SOC 2 type 2, we're, we've got all the policies and, and procedures around that stuff. We are working once we wrap up our type 2 here at the end of the month, we're stepping into both GDPR and HIPAA compliance seals or certifications and then into ISO 27001 as well. Now, now I, I feel like this is almost a dumb question. The HIPAA compliance seal, is that just so you can check off a box? Like if somebody says, hey, are you going to sign a BAA for me? You'd be like, yeah, sure. Do, 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 here you go. Because it's like, we don't touch any patient health information. So we don't. Well, yeah. And, it, and that's what it comes down to, right? And it, it all comes down to a mitigation of risk and confidence for our partners. We understand and we know we're not collecting any EFI. We have very little PII, but it's important to the MSPs. So because it's important to them, it's important to us. So mm -hmm. we need to make sure that we have the policies and procedures. Now, when it comes to a lot of compliancy and regulatory compliance certifications and audits, you essentially have to prove that things are an effective operation. And what that means is they say, if you've got this policy or procedure, we're going to do a spot check to a time in the past generally year, it's within the audit period, to make sure that that's exactly what happened. Now, when it comes to PII or EFI, that would mean that we'd have to prove at some point that somebody asked to be forgotten and that we had to erase or scrub personally identifiable information. But we don't really capture personally identifiable information. So it's hard for us to prove that we got that request and that we took out the action to do it, even though we have a policy around it. Same thing, right? Mm -hmm. Prove that you've gone through and, and restricted access to EFI. Oh, we can't because we don't have any access to EFI. So at some point, some of those are just you're certified. You do have a policy that if this comes into play, you can do something about it, but you can't prove that you've actually had to enforce or, or use that policy. Okay. And data sovereignty, if, I mean, I know it might only be just like metadata type stuff, yeah. but if I say all my data has to stay within the United States... Yeah, that's where everything is right now. Yeah. Okay. And if and if somebody said I need everything to be in Europe, you're working on that as well. So we will. If if it comes up, I mean, when it comes to encryption and of data at rest, all that you actually have to do is have the encryption or decryption key, the salt, the hash outside of that region, right? To to abide by it. So the request hasn't come up yet. We'll we'll deal with it and and solve it as it comes up or becomes necessary. But yeah. And do you have like two FA or SSO or anything for people that want to sign into your dashboard? Yeah. yeah. So so we we ran a password company before. We didn't want any passwords with this product. We didn't want to deal with kind of credential management by any means. So we're only SSO. So you sign in with Microsoft, sign in with Google, or you use a magic link. And our anticipation is you have MFA on your main, you know, identity provider or email provider. So we can piggyback on that. Awesome. Yeah. And, and even the magic link is 
just nice because passwords suck. Yeah, so they absolutely do. That, and it's just that would it's a probably, one-time use. Yeah. And that would probably be like the the biggest customer service suck is I forgot my password. Absolutely, right? So that's that's it. All you need is access to your email mm-hmm. and and that's done. You know, some people haven't understood Magic Link because it hasn't been overly popular in the MSP space before. So some people thought that this is a living link. And if somebody breaches their email, they could click that and get into our system and do whatever. No, it's it's one time use and that that token expires if it's not used as well. So it's all secure and safe to use. All right. Let's hop into a demo. I see you've yeah. shared your screen. Is this safe I, to put up? I think so. Yeah. Should All be. Right. As long as it's the right screen. There we go. It is the right screen. It's the right screen. All right. <laughs> yeah. So like I just said, actually, when you log in, you, you there's nowhere to enter a username and password. So you either choose Microsoft for your M365, choose your mm-hmm. Google, whether your personal Google account or if you're on a you know Google workspace or your magic link. So... I'm on M365, so it's going to go ahead, redirect me. I already have an active session. Otherwise, it would prompt me for everything in my MFA. When you come into the product, so I'm not going to go through the whole intake. The intake is super easy, though, to plug in your API key and kind of kick it off. So this is, you know, this one in particular, I believe we're connected into an Autocast instance. And so what it's done, it's already synced in the data. It's done its analysis, and you come into it. First thing is this big kind of gradient circle wheel here. That's your data health score. So it's a number out of a thousand and essentially gives you an indication as to what percentage of your data is clean versus what's dirty. So in this case, we've got a 322, which means that, you know, 68, 67.8% of my data in this database is actually clean, is dirty. How, how, what? So this, this is out of a thousand? Just out of a thousand. Yeah. So only 32%. Yeah. So only 32% <laughs> is clean. So you start to wonder, okay, so how does that come together? Right. Well, we found out of all of your records, so there's not a ton of records in this data uh, uh, tenant or instance of auto task, but 103 of them are dirty records. And since the last thing, we found six more. Because the one thing to remember, too, with dirty data is that a record that's clean today might not be clean three months from now because there's been no tickets assigned. There's been no activity. Nothing's happened there. So it's it's a constant revolving and, door of data management. And just to clarify, when you say dirty, it simply means we don't know if it's still a good record. Right. It's it's a question mark, not a, it's definitely bad. Exactly. It's just yep. not definitely good. Exactly. Yep. And then we let let the MSP decide what's what they want to do about it. So again, back to that 110, 100 rule, it shows us that, okay, 103, you can do the math times 100. That's $10,300 in dirty data costs. So on our homepage, where we say that the average MSP is $260,000 in dirty data costs, it's because they have 2,600 dirty records sitting in their PSA that they should clean up. That's misguiding. That is a lot of dirty records. It is a lot of dirty records. Then we track for you how many records you've cleaned using Gradient and how much that has saved you over time. You know, when we say, hey, there's 103 
recommendations for you to review, we break those down across the different record types that we've got. So accounts, contacts, contracts, services, that's our term for it. Some PSAs call it services. Some PSAs call it products or product lines. Same thing. Then you have your issue types or your ticket types and then your PSA users. So you can see at any given point how many recommendations on each, how clean. So services is much cleaner on average than, you know, contacts is or even contracts. Issue types is really bad here. And we give a simple, you know, green, yellow, red type thing. And while I would love to just hit the button that says start cleaning, can we hit review on one of these items? Yeah, so so it takes you the same place, right? So we say right here, don't worry, we'll step you through it. It's not automated that way. So start cleaning essentially takes you the same place. If we hit review on any of them, it'll just take us to that record type um, and then any recommendations. So if we go into contacts here, okay. right, we've got 26. We generally, and I'll go into accounts, but they're broken up between high, medium, and low. So you'll have your various things. And if there's no high confidence recommendations, we just won't show that. And so you go into contracts, you can see these all again, we kind of break it up into columns. You can expand that section to come through and see all of the high confidence contacts that it would say. And again, that slips through contracts, issue types, your services or your PSA users as well. And so a... A, an issue type is simply saying, hey, it, you know, we created 97 issue types for our tickets and yeah. 50 of them have never been used. Exactly. Yeah. So if I go to issue types here, you know, we just have sample names in here or whatever. But and so if I come in, yeah, essentially that's as simple as it goes. It's never been used on a ticket. So why have it? Right. And that's going back to yours. Now you might say, okay, auditing, it's never had a ticket. No, I just created that last month mm. or last week. So that's where you know, okay, this is fine. And you could choose to go and ignore that record. And now it's gone from the list. You could undo it if you misclicked and it would pop back in there. Uh, now, what happens if you clean out an issue type? Is it just an auto task? I think you can just like deactivate or disable yeah, something. And that's exactly what happens, right? So I won't click clean here. Yeah, well, sure. So if I click clean, it just says here, this coding record, upon confirming, it'll be disabled in your PSA. Got it. So then I would go through and confirm and it would clean that one. Now, is there a, let's just clean them all. So we don't have just go nuts, but what we do, we do have <laughs> multi-select just because you are making actions and, and everything's undoable and I'll show that. But let's say, yeah, we wanted to go and select, you know, these four records that we wanted to clean. But before I'll do that, actually, I'll just show quickly. So when you're looking at this, you can always click see more and it tells you, you know, what type of contact it is, if it's available, what the ID of the record is in your PSA, if you want to search it up yourself, when it was created, you know, why we're saying this stuff and, and what should be done. Now, you can also just see right here some of that why we've determined. There's a ticket is, icon. There's a dollar bill. Yeah. So, so it's so never had an opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Right. And same thing on accounts. You can see it's never had an opportunity, never a ticket. If you go on contracts, you can see there's never been a ticket on that contract and 
It's never had activity. There's another one that would be, it's never even been invoiced. There's never been an invoice created from that contract. So you know, if, that yeah. Able Manufacturing, they've got to be the worst customer ever because <laughs> I know so many MSPs that have started doing business with them and they just never got paid. Just not, not paid, right? And so we can go through here and let's say we select all four and we want to clean them. So we can come up, say we want to confirm and claim these ones and it's going to go, right? And then we're going to give you a little pat on the back. So you just saved yourself $400 in dirty data costs. If you want to undo it right away, because you're just like, oh crap, no, I thought I only selected six. You can go and undo it right here and it'll undo that. Or you can close this. So it's really simple how it works. If you wanted to go and kind of see what what's happened, I mean, we've got your full activity log. So I can come in here now and see everything that's been done over the last week here. And again, I can choose what dates I want to go to. Maybe I only want to see what's happened today. And wow, look at that. Here's the four that I just did, plus this record that I chose to ignore when we were looking at issue types. So I could go one by one and re-include this. But yes, that's going to go back or revert the change. Or again, I can go ahead and multi-select all of these things that I want to undo and undo them. And I confirm it. And now when I go back into my recommendations for my contacts, those four people are back in the list now. So it's all real. It's real time writing and removing from the PSA or putting things okay. back. So it gives you all that flexibility there. So the activity log is, is expansive. Also lets you know who did what, when, you know, even what was the confidence rating on that record? You know, what was the action that was done? Even the undos are logged and able to be reverted and reclaimed, right? And PSA configuration, we want you to know everything that's going on, what's happening with your integration. So we'll tell you when it was first connected up and when it was first synced, when the last sync happened, when the next scheduled sync is to occur, what happened in the last sync, which is we just do monthly syncs really, unless you push an on-demand one, you know, how many new accounts came in, contracts, services, users, all of that. What are the total records that we're syncing now? Again, we can give you all the information. This is everything we're collecting. Select ticket data. That seems weird. Well, let's click a question mark and understand what we're collecting and what's going on there, right? We don't even show you what the password is for your auth key once it's set up because we don't shouldn't. want somebody else to come in and see that that shouldn't have access to that, right? It's gone. It's encrypted. Yeah. It's used only when needed. Now I could change it and test it, and we don't do a system where you set it up and then two weeks later, you find out that your integration's not working because it didn't have the right access. The second that you set this in here, and actually, let me see, give me a second in a different thing. I'll see if I can find my, the actual API key here. So I'll copy it uh, there and come back here. So if I go in here, this show okay good so it does blank it out just making sure so i go in there and i click save and test and it tests against all the modules right away and tells me these are all good perfect right and so we've got everything else you could run it in on-demand sync it's going to rerun one now because it thinks i just changed the api stuff if you've ignored records so i'll go back in here and just ignore actually i'll just select a whole bunch of them and ignore them so now when i go to my PSA configuration. So there's no ignored records across accounts, but in contacts, now I've got these records. Of course, this is going to be funky. 
maybe I'm trying to do it too fast. It says that they're there. I don't know why it's not showing, but it would show the ignored records. And then you could undo those to re-include them. Of course, you could also go into here and select the ones that you just ignored and undo that and they'll be re-available. All right. So, so basically what I'm seeing here, Colin, is just a really nice way to clean up your, your PSA. Yeah, it's, you know, super simple. We just call it Tidy. It's the product name, but it's super simple, easy to use. You can self-sign up. It's completely free. Like we're not charging anything. What? Yeah, we, we charge nothing. Why? Because you Why? know what they say, if if you're not paying, what are you saying? If you're not the customer, you're the product. Yeah, exactly. Or if you're not paying for the product, you are the product, right? right. Either way. So are we the product? Is that why you're doing this? We'll say yes and no to an extent with, with asterisks. So on one hand, like I mentioned earlier in the, in the show here, we needed to have cleaner data to be able to deliver future solutions and products so that we knew there would be no issues integrating into the PSA, mapping things up and doing it. So this was in our benefit to be able to help MSPs clean it up. So that's the first part. We will be releasing products that will still have freemium aspects to it, but will have paid levels and, and paid features, we'll call it, to it. And that, that starts in November. So you don't worry. We will let you pay us for something in the future. Now, why you I promise? I promise. I okay. promise we will let you give us your credit card number. All right. Now, the reason for the asterisks on, on you are the product is, is multifaceted. So we want to help MSPs make better decisions, and we want to help the whole world better understand the managed services industry. And the only way we can do that is with data. So we recognize as doing some of this stuff, it is essentially collecting data. Now, we scrub and anonymize all the data that comes into the system so that it's not able to be attributed back to a named entity. And what we're going to be able to do with that, one is, is your data becomes a product for your own consumption in the future. So if you look at a world, you know, that we would like to see of what we'd call data equality, it's where, you know, by Steve participating in this program and connecting up and, and essentially contributing your data that gets scrubbed and anonymized, you can get back thousands fold for what you've contributed. Because now we can assemble that and collect that against the same anonymized type of data set of thousands or tens of thousands of your peers. Now, imagine the power that that can provide you as a participant of this when it comes to collective intelligence, being able to tell you what gaps you have truly in your service offering compared to the rest of the industry or the rest of the MSPs in your state, right? Understanding, am I charging the right amount? How many of you, like, raise your hand. I know I did it. Like, frequently called all the competitors in my city to say, Hey, what do you guys charge per user? What do you get? How do you guys charge? What are your prices? We can actually tell you not necessarily to your city, because I think that starts to segment a little bit too far, but we could tell you if you're, if you're in Atlanta, we can tell you what the average rates are across every service type in Georgia, right? Knowing what, what people charge on average with the high and low bookends for managed services for dark web monitoring, for password management, for email security, backup, whatever it is, you can then start to understand if you're leaving money on the table or if maybe you're not closing deals because you're way overpriced, mm. right? Being All able right, to so, understand those things. So you said we're, you know, we're, we're participating, we're providing anonymized data. So let's, let's talk about that because, yeah. 
you know, there's so many things are requiring anonymized data anymore. You know, I, I feel like I, I sneeze and I just gave something to somebody, right? And yeah. I don't mean COVID. So when, when you say anonymized data, so my thought would be, okay, so we've got uh, a tidy. So that means they are going to pay attention to how many total contacts I had, how many are dirty, how many are clean. But you're so we, probably we would going know that further on average. into that. Yeah, so we would know that on average. But what I would say is we would be able to know. What's the best way for me to put this? So we would know. So here, here's a great thing. We've got all these companies that launch products just like Gradient did. Here's a product for an MSP to use, right? And or here's a product for an MSP to sell. What what vendors that enter the market often see on Reddit is what the heck? These guys clearly don't understand us. They clearly don't get this market, this industry. They don't know who we are, what we are, right? With even the data we collect through Tidy and we can scrub and anonymize, we can start to be able to say, hey, MSPs on average are this many employees, right? They have this many employees in their business. They, on average, have this many clients, right? And those, they, on average, have this many endpoints. We can start to say they, this many MSPs or this percentage of MSPs sell solutions in this product category, email security. And they can start to understand where opportunity is. You know, we can start to understand both for, for vendors to be more informed on how they're going after the market to better outfit their partners, right? They could start to understand that health-focused, health-vertical clients in the sub-100 employee segment are consuming dark web monitoring and password management together. Well, that's really neat. How about we start to create resources focused on the health vertical on these two products that, that you know, our partners are trying to sell and help them create more targeted, successful campaigns with our big marketing resources that we can put together, right? They can better help you go better to market to your clients with these solutions to be more effective in selling them instead of saying, hey, here you go. Here's dark web monitoring and password management tool. Good luck. Good, go nuts. And you go, well, which of my clients are going to be most interested in this? What should I charge for this? How do I mm-hmm. sell this, right? We can advise everybody automatically through the data that tells us that stuff. And we can start to tell industry averages and put out even industry reports that truly speak to the actual performance of the industry. You know, you don't have to have that thing anymore where, you know, XYZ report tells you how all the best in class are performing, how much profit they're making, how well they're doing, how they're charging 500 bucks per user per month. You don't need that, you know, pardon the term, you don't need that kick in the nuts if you're a two, three, five person shop. What you need to know is how are other two, three, five person shops performing, right? Mm. How fast are they growing? How profitable are they? What are they charging? What are they offering? And even better yet, how about the three to $5 million shops? What are they offering that I'm not? What are they doing differently that got them from this one to three to that three to five? Those are the bits of information we're looking to collect so that we can pass that back to you and truly influence growth. 
you know, whatever growth means to you as an MSP, is that revenue? Is that profit? Is that just, you know, more personal time? We can find what's happening in all of your peers' businesses and in your geographic region. Because that was the other thing. I'm out of Canada, if you can't tell by how funny I talk. We used to read all these reports. hilarious. I didn't say a boot yet. Or a. I might have said a. But no, you've done very well, actually. Right? Is 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 I would be reading reports and watching things, and it would tell me all about how things are happening across the US. Well, even in the US, I'm sorry, but the economy and how it's performing in Houston is vastly different from how it is in Tampa Bay, right? Real estate costs differ by millions, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, people are going to be willing to pay different amounts for different services. So why are we getting reports showing how fast an industry is growing as a nation when that means nothing to somebody that's in Boca Raton compared to what's happening in LA? That doesn't make sense, right? And the reason that is, is because this data has never been available before. It's either been siloed or just not had, or it's all on surveys. And we've all filled out those surveys from our vendor partners that even ask us, what service areas, what what services do you deliver to your clients? And you don't want to seem inaccurate. So you check off every single box in there. Just in case they associate me to this thing, I don't want to look like I'm not delivering something or there's a gap. But what that does is misinforms the rest of the industry. So if we're able to pull this from the source of truth that everybody uses to run their business, and anonymize it, we can help fuel and feed that back to the industry for the greater good of the industry to truly level it up, help the vendors better understand their partners and what the industry is, and hopefully minimize, I won't say get rid of, but minimize the amount of times that an MSP looks at something and says, you guys just don't get it. You don't get us. That's got to stop because Pretty soon, MSPs are going to stop looking at solutions and solutions that could be amazing for their businesses. So if we can mitigate that from happening, that's a huge win. If we can help an MSP stop or, or not take a step that's proved to be unsuccessful for other MSPs who have tried, then we need to try and do that, right? If there was a certain service offering that came out, I don't know, let's just call it some sort of insurance. And, and this isn't a real world thing, but let's say they were delivering some kind of insurance solution, wouldn't you want to know if the early adopting MSPs were seeing an average of like a 13-month churn rate on that, where they only got one year's worth of revenue and all the clients canceled and churned out because they just didn't see the ongoing value of it? I sure would, because then I wouldn't put all the time, money, and effort into trying to launch that same service because I heard from the from the vendor that we have 10,000 partners that are doing this. We've grown 1,000% in the last year. That's great. Maybe what's next year's numbers look like, right? Avoid that risk to your business. Avoid that misstep. Instead, look at, oh, shoot, this is one that's grown in massive adoption across uh, my MSP peers. It's high in profitability. It's got a high retention rate. Now that's where something I can go in and be sure of what it's going to do for my business. Okay. I, I like it. I'll allow it. seal of approval awesome all right so the next product yeah to come out for gradient yeah 
So the next product to come out is Billable, is what we're calling it. So it's coming out in the middle of November. You'll see us announce a, a one-day virtual event to educate and, and launch that product to the market. But yeah, as as we've looked at a whole bunch of things and talked to a whole bunch of partners about, again, this great disconnect between channel vendors and MSPs, there's been this, you know, one piece that I don't know if it's overlooked, but it's kind of been, just been tolerated for so long, which is being able to take my entire resale stack and everything I'm delivering to my clients and have that automatically update to my PSA so that I know I'm charging for the right amount of seats, the right amount of gigabytes or terabytes of data backed up, the right amount of sites managed, whatever it is, automatically so that when I go into my wonderful PSA at the end of the month, and I'm ready to bill for my proactive services next month, I can select all and click invoice and not have to spend that 10, 20, 30 hours of just painstaking hell of a million tabs across all my vendor portals trying to figure out who's buying what, how much they're using, what's changed over the last month, and try and do all of that. So we're trying to just better connect those systems so that as an MSP, you are always getting paid for what you're delivering to your clients. You're not leaving money on the table. You're not forgetting about things. And best of all, you don't have to do that in that extra time after hours when you could be catching you know, the latest episode of Billions that just launched or hanging out with your kids or your spouse or doing whatever it is that you want to do instead of doing that stuff. So that's the next thing that we've got coming out is to attach all those systems and automate that process for MSPs. Well, Colin, when you guys are are ready to announce that, I would love to have you back on and, yeah. you know, have you, have you show that off as well? I, I love that you are confident enough to wear a bright pink shirt, but I, I, I love that it, you, you got this whole flamingo thing going. So I got to ask the hardest question of the day. What's with the flamingo? Yeah, we get it a lot. So we, like a lot of companies, we wanted to have a, a some sort of mascot, something that people could rally around and relate to and something that stood out. There are so many we'll say animals that have been used in our in our space already. I mean, the owl has been used countless times. Somebody used the fox. You had like the polar bear, right? All of these different animals. And so then we started to think about, well, well what would resonate and, and what, what do we want to represent? And two things that we really want to represent as a company is balance. Balance in the industry and and just... Balance overall, balance in your business, your work-life balance, everything else. And then the other is community, right? Is is we see this industry as such an amazing community and we've been so fortunate to be a part of it for the length of time that we have and had the support and, and seen the benefit of it. And so when you Google like animals that represent balance and community, that's flamingos. You almost never see a single flamingo by itself. They're always together in their groups. And with balance, I mean, what what better thing? This it's at its most relaxing, comfortable position when it's up on one leg. So that's what we went with was the flamingo and hey, they're they're pink, they're bright, they're flamboyant and stand out and they're fun. And so so that's what we went with was was the flamingo. Well, I like that. I if I had to associate with an animal, I would probably go with the ostrich just so I could stick my head in the sand. Yeah. And avoid we actually all this dirty thought about data. that. 
we actually thought about the ostrich because I think, again, with the misunderstanding of this entire industry and what's going on, there's a lot of people on every part of the ecosystem that have their head in the sand. But that, that to us seemed too negative of an approach. And, and, and it's just a reality of, of where we're at with things. And it's not because people don't want to know. It's just because it's never been able to be known. So, yeah, we wanted to go fun and fun and fabulous and and positive. And that's that's the way we went. Well, good. So seriously, thank you so much for being on here. Can can you tell I'm fighting through what may or may not be COVID because I don't have results yet? I'm so glad we're not sharing a mic stand here today. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why I love doing these remote, man. Yeah. But but seriously, like I hope I hope I was able to ask you the right Absolutely. questions. I think I was able to pay attention to most of the words that came out of your mouth. And now's a good time to stop before I start sweating profusely. Yeah, no, it sounds good. I really appreciate you you having us on, and we're we're not shy from any question, right? We're we're really bullish about what we're doing. We see the massive opportunity for the industry uh, really of what we're pushing that. towards, and we've we've got nothing to hide. I mean, we we live by by full transparency, and and we truly are trying to champion a greater movement and, and greater growth for the industry so i really respect that colin so thanks so much seriously i i look forward to having you back on sometime yeah i look forward to being here thanks again steve absolutely all right everybody you all have yourselves a great day and i will catch you all at the next episode Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today.